Thank you for turning me on. You are listening to the Songsmith Podcast with James Zipolitti. I am James Zipolitti. On this podcast, I will explore the art of songwriting. Now, if you know me, you know I have another podcast, Creativity Gurus, but I wanted to speak exclusively about songwriting because I believe it is what I am best at. I love talking to other songwriters, so I will be inviting them on the show to talk about their songs that they are writing, their inspiration, their process, all that good stuff that we love about songwriting. Now, if Ashley Flowers can make 500 podcasts about true crime, I can have two podcasts about creativity. I wanted to start this podcast off with a bang, so my interview with Rachel Eckroth, singer-songwriter, keyboardist, You will find a lot of great stories about songwriting, about performing. Really love this interview, so I thought it would be wonderful to launch this podcast with this interview. Please subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss a single episode. Also, find me on Instagram at James underscore Ippolitti, and also on TikTok at Songwriting with James. Now, let's get to that interview with Rachel Eckroth. My guest today is singer, songwriter, and keyboardist Rachel Eckroth. Rachel has just released her self-titled EP, produced by David Garza, who also co-produced Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Her most recent work as a sideman includes performance tours with St. Vincent, Chris Boddy, Katie Tunstall, and Rufus Wainwright. In 2018-2019, she performed as a solo artist on Rufus Wainwright's All These Poses tour, supporting her album When It Falls. Over the course of her career, Rachel has composed for television, large ensembles, and her nanette, as well as producing an extensive songwriting catalog. Rachel, welcome to my show. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. So first thing I want to talk about is your SNL experience, because I actually watched it twice. So the first time I watched SNL, I didn't know you at the time, and I watched St. Vincent. And then this after getting the invite, I went back to watch it again. And, and how about that second song? They start out with you with the camera and pull back, which is pretty exciting, I think. So how was that experience <laughs> on SNL? That was really, really fun. Um, it, you know, I, probably people um, would expect this, but it was like a full day of production and practicing and uh, making sure everything's tight and looks good and everybody's doing everything right. And then when it goes live, you just have to, Everybody has to just do it right. <laughs> so you get, yeah, that must be, you that basically must be, uh, get one chance to make it happen. So it's a little, it was a little nerve wracking when we actually did the performance, but the overall experience is like it's run so tightly over there. And, you know, so you had performed with St. Vincent prior to SNL, like on tour? No. Um, after that, we've, we've done some things after that, but, um, okay. As a band, that was our first gig. So, <laughs> wow. So we rehearsed and, and, you know, it was kind of like a little secret pop up show that happened. That must have been exciting, though, being on that. Because that stage, if you think about it, how many over the years musicians got to play on that stage? I yeah. mean, that's, that's, you can't think about it when it's happening, but, you know. No, I mean, TV is weird. It's like you're just like in a little box, you know, you don't really have to worry about the fact that there's like, you know, thousands of people watching you in real time <laughs> but right you're just kind of like there on stage and there's cameras in your face and <laughs> all right so your new ep self-titled ep tell me about that so um okay so i've been writing songs 
I don't know, for about, I mean, songs with words for about 15 years, maybe. Um, and so every once in a while, I'll just get a nice chunk of lyrics happening in my life and, you know, I need to make music out of it. So um, I connected with David Garza, who is a great guitarist and producer and songwriter. Um, and we were just like, okay, let's do this. It'll be really fun. And he's so casual and so relaxed about it all that it's, it's just always like a cool experience to do anything musical with him. So we, um, we put these songs together at Sonic Ranch in Texas, which is a recording studio where he's kind of, he kind of lives out of there in a, mm -hmm. lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, and we just, you know, we made it happen. And, and once we had, you know, I was trying to get a few more songs, but we had these and I was like, you know what, let's just put it out because it's, you know, I mean, COVID allowed us a little extra time to get some stuff done. And we actually started, yeah. we started it right before COVID and then. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And then during, we just finished it up. How would you compare that to when it falls? It's a lot different. Um, produced by someone else. Um, actually, my husband, <laughs> Tim Lefebvre, who's a bass player. Mm -hmm. um, so when it falls is a lot more electronic sounding. We we experimented with like um, sound palettes and stuff from FX pedals and synthesizers and stuff like that. And the songs are, um, you know, my writing has gotten better as it should in, you know, the couple of years between those and I think my storytelling is a little bit more um, cohesive, you know, in terms of making a song out of it. So, yeah, you know, when I listen to uh, When It Falls, you know, a lot of uh, reviews bring up Bowie in it. And I know your husband did play on um, Black Star. Is that correct? Yeah. Listening to your career, you have the thing I see with Bowie, if I was going to compare, is the chameleon style of your songwriting. Your style, though, seems to have gone from, like, prog rock, jazz, then you get to this sort of uh, when it falls, and now it's Texas swing. Like, <laughs> explain what you, when you're about to create a song or an EP or something, um, how do you decide what you want to go for as far as the sound, is, you know, since you have so many different um, styles? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of weird. I, I definitely come from a lot of musical places. Um, I think that has to do with the fact that I'm a keyboardist and I was I was really working as a sideman for most of my career. So, you know, when a gig calls for a certain style, you kind of like have to get into it. So you know, in terms of like, so, you know, I played in a lot of R&B bands when I was younger. So I was studying that kind of music and I was a jazz musician. And then, you know, I did rock gigs, pop gigs, whatever, like all kinds of stuff as a keyboardist. So all, you know, it, it made me kind of have an eclectic um, taste and like uh, interest in how I want to do my music, you know? Yeah. I mean, it definitely shows that you have so many colors to pull from from your palette i mean just amazing stuff that you've produced over many years at this point let's get into the songs themselves so i want to start with cooped up and bored blues in this song you have let's talk about every little thing that you thought mattered was a lie tell me what you thought mattered <laughs> well okay this is coming from my perspective as a 
uh, I, I'm not going to say female musician, but I guess just as a musician, like, you know, when you, when you grow up, like going to music school and stuff like that, it's very like, oh, I'll, all I want to do is get the gig. That's my main goal in life. You know, that's what you're thinking. And, <clears throat> you know, I had a great family growing up and all of that stuff. And I guess it's just kind of like it, you know, the, the pursuit of greatness in music or whatever can get in the way and can, can blind you and make you realize like, oh, uh, by the way, my family's over here. I should probably pay attention to them and <laughs> those kind of things. Um, so like, that's where that line stands for me. Every little thing that I thought mattered was a lie. Um, but the song kind of floats between like the opposite of that as well, or the sort of like an ironic, ironic way of saying it, you know, with all the rest of the lyrics. But that's like the main point. This definitely is a COVID song. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> it's it's really good and it captures this the 2020 really well because I think a lot of people and I think anybody who listens to that song will absolutely relate to the lyrics because being cooped up and bored made you sit back and take, you know, um a look at the your life and what matters and and what what you should be paying attention to. Well, let's talk about the whole theme of this uh, EP because I feel like there is sort of this longing for what was, but also an acceptance of what is. Absolutely, yeah. It's also, you know, in it's also kind of has to do with just getting older, and like, yeah, and just being like, okay, well, here's how it went, and let's keep going. <laughs> Yeah, so let's, we got another, uh, I think, a very nice COVID song is You're the Only Thing on the EP. Yeah. It's a beautiful song, and if I listen too hard, I might cry. Aww. So <laughs> um, so let's talk about how that song came to be. So, yeah, so You're the Only Thing was the last of the, the four songs. Um, David and I, we're still trying to write more. You know, we we are going to be writing more in the future, too, but we were trying to finish up some songs and get some more out. And uh, we were just kind of jamming in his living room one night and, and these chords came up. And so I took it home and wrote the words and, and, you know, just kind of reflecting on uh, just being happy with what you have, I think. Do you feel like this lyrically has in, in your career been the most I don't want to use the word honest, but I'm sort of leaning towards that. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it, you definitely, I, I find what's interesting about this EP is it sort of strips away a lot of the electronics of, um, you know, when it falls. Mm -hmm. And it's almost sort of vocally and musically naked in, in the way of, um, being so honest and true about your, your feelings. And it comes across on every song in here. So um, was it difficult doing this? Um, not, no, it, it's kind of just like, you know, you, you strip down the music and you, you strip down the production and then you have, you have to be honest <clears throat> or else you don't have a good song. You know, right. you can't do all the tricks because there's no space for that. So you just have to tell a story and, you, have, you know, and that was kind of the thing that David was helping me do, you know, with these songs is just be real clear and like, 
you know. So what is that like working with Dovey? Great. He's, he's so cool. He's, um, he's the kind of producer that just lets things happen in the studio, you know, and he'll just pick up and start playing, pick up an instrument, start playing. And we just start, you know, with, with not too much planning, um, which was really fun to do and, and pretty different than the last record. So how long did it take to produce? Was it just, um, I guess you said you started before COVID. So what about a year to produce this? Yeah, something like that. I mean, it it was mostly just because other things got in the way, you know. So we started in um, February of 2020. And then probably for about six months, it was kind of just like, oh, no, oh, no, the world's ending. So there was a lot of <laughs> other things to do. And then I came back to it, you know, towards the end of the. Yeah, when we summer. realized the world wasn't ending. Right. We all came back to what we were doing. <laughs> exactly. Figured out how to get through it. So. Do you remember like the first song you wrote, even if it was when you were a child? Yes. I remember um, a piano song that I wrote when I was about 15. Um, I don't know. I don't think I was writing any like real lyrics at any, you know, when I was young. I really started that when I was about 30. So I was uh, like, I was a very um, quiet kid and pretty shy and I think it just really took me that long to get the courage to like start writing words and put my feelings out there. And that's another thing having to do with the CP is like, you know, it took me until in my forties to, to be able to say things without feeling like, you know, embarrassed or like somebody's gonna, you know, somebody's gonna judge me for what I'm, what I'm saying out loud. It's, Interesting to think that you're a keyboardist who, for the majority of your life, played and maybe composed, but didn't write lyrics. So how how do you do that? Like, because to me, it's it's a story. How do you sort of create a song? Do you have a story musically in your head? How you want to create something without lyrics? Um. <clears throat> so so you mean what do you mean without lyrics? You mean start, well, starting you, without lyrics? No, not I'm talking prior to you writing lyrics. You're just oh. composing like instrumentals. And so is it it's just all feeling like Yeah, I mean just composing in general is like, you know, how it, it starts with a mood, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, and then like you're usually working within a style. So a lot of my stuff was like jazz stuff um at a younger age. And I was also like arranging for a lot of instruments, so that comes into play too, but it's more just, it's like you come up with like a little melodic theme and you just build on that, I guess, you know? How, yeah, I get that. Like a motif. So mm -hmm. where did you, did you go to college for music? I did. Yeah. I went All right. to and so, many colleges. <laughs> what's that? I went to a few colleges. Okay. Music. That's yeah. all right. I have too. <clears throat> um, so you went there, you're, you're playing along. Did you feel like being a female, uh, a woman in the jazz world? Was that tough? I, I mean, I know a lot of musicians. I don't know too many. Just growing up, I know there weren't too many women in the jazz world. Um, Has that changed? It, I, I'm not sure. It has changed a little bit. Um, you know, I still get calls for all-girl bands. I was just talking to my friend about this the other day. It's like she's a drummer and we're just like, mm -hmm. okay, why are we always in these all-girl things still? Like, why? Why, why is it a thing? 
Yeah, right. But, you know, I mean, I try to find my own lane, I guess, because it's, you know, I'm not going to be your typical jazz musician or your, you know, uh, I don't know how to say that, right? But I'm just, no, uh, I, I, you know, I'm I just understand. trying to find my own lane as a composer. And like, I don't really identify as solely a jazz musician. Anymore. Right. Did you find yourself having to pull back on the new EP, like musically? No, 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 no. Because it's, it's, it's a different discipline, you know? So, you know, I'm just, just writing the songs and, and playing a little bit, you know? It's so like, I, I actually have an, a jazz record coming out or a jazzy record coming out in the fall where I get to like, you know, play as much crap as I want to. So That's great. I hope we so, get to talk when that comes yeah, out. That'd be yeah. great. <laughs> so let's talk about The Root. What is the story behind that? I really, really dig this song. I don't know um, the story behind it. I couldn't find anything, but yeah. let me know. Yeah, that was the one that was like the least publicized out of them because we just, we just did, we talked about three and left one out, I guess. But um, The Root, it, it's really dealing with depression. So, you know, and it was kind of apparent during COVID, just like, it's basically, you know, it kind of the lyrics are I am the root of the pain and it just comes it's it's depression, you know. It's like everything in life that I'm I'm affecting around me. You know, it, I just came to realize like okay, I just need to probably focus in on feeling sad, you know, the fact that I'm feeling sad and <clears throat> I mean does that make sense? It's just like... No, it makes absolute sense. Yeah. It brings the question... I, I ask this a lot of artists that come on. Do you feel that, you know, the tortured artist um, mm -hmm. thing, do you feel that you can create if you're very content? Or do you feel like you need to have that hurt in your life to... I mean, I, I think when we're younger, we obviously we're all drama and... Uh, it's easy to pull, feel like, oh my God, I'm so depressed. I can write a hundred songs. But mm -hmm. then when you get older, do you find that you're, you're reaching back to find that pain? If you're in a good mood, um, can you write in a happy mood? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that just getting older, you go, you know, in your head, like, I'm happy to be happy. Like, you know, as long as I, as, as much as I can be happy, I'll take that. Like, you know, and yeah. I, that the song about depression, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard. I'm not an expert on depression, although I have been depressed. <laughs> okay. So as a musician, and it's, it has to do a lot with music and the, the, the business of music and your um, accomplishments and things like that. Like, that's really, I'm sure a lot of artists go through that. You know, and it's not just like being tortured. It's more like uh, we're trying to do something and it's hard to get there. And it, it can cause people to be depressed and sad about their state of their career and stuff like that. So, um, but <clears throat> I think, you know, I think for me as an artist, I went through, you know, all the, the drama and the sad and relationships and all that stuff and it, it's just a certain time in my life and now hopefully I think it's just you just have to come up with more creative ways to say how you feel about other things you know it's, it doesn't have to be the drama now did you uh write more songs than just the four we started a couple more but they're not finished 
yet. All right. So I think it's a sort of an ongoing collaboration. It's interesting in the world today compared to when I was younger and you put something out. It wasn't like now you could just add to an EP if you wanted to like and have it out there yeah. as opposed to I, pressing vinyl records and then having to release something later. What is your earliest like recording experience? Uh, like recording your music? Um, like the very earliest or, or mo- I mean, I can tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, I wrote something when I was like 15 and we re-recorded it in a f- studio in Phoenix. That's my earliest, but I, I think okay. you might mean like a person. No, I do mean project. this. I want to just okay. see your history with yeah. um, uh, just your music and getting it out there. So you would have recorded this. What was your reason, Phoenix, uh, to record this? Were you going to put it out? Or no, you, this like was... Like what year would this have been? Yeah, I don't... Uh, <laughs> let's see. Maybe around 1992 or three. Okay, so yeah, yeah. you would have... At, best you I probably would have put it on a cassette maybe just did you yeah no what it was was like a community um high school group of musicians um you know it was led by the city or something like that and we we just we got together and and recorded music and I think I was one of the few that wrote a song and we played it in our little group but I actually never heard the results so I don't I don't know what happened to it yeah, it's out there somewhere. <laughs> but then after that, yeah, then after that is college stuff. And and then out of college, I started trying to do my own stuff. So I did like a, I did the Nonet, which you mentioned, which is um, yeah. a nine piece instrumental group. So with a rhythm section and six horns. So I did the arranging for that. And that was like my, that was my first like cool big thing that I did on my own. That's awesome. So what's your favorite part? Is it the writing? Is it the performing live? Uh, or is it, you know, obviously you probably love it all, but it, what what would you say you could, if you had to stop one, would it be performing? I mean. I think it would be the performing because, um, you know, if I, if I had to stop composing, then I would just performing the same thing over and over. <laughs> all right. So let's go to Ready Go. That is the final of the four on this EP. But this one, now let's, let's before we do that, the other three we talked about, you co-wrote with David, uh, David. I got to remember, my drummer's name is mm-hmm. David. I, I should know this. Uh, David Garza, you co-wrote those three? Right, yes. And lyrically, though, um, how did that work with the, when you were writing? Did you write the lyrics? Did he come in and say, well, let's change this up or... Yeah, I wrote, I pretty much wrote the stories and wrote the lyrics and he would kind of hone in on the areas that weren't fully formed and help me get there. Nice. Now so, this last one, uh, the drummer. Falcon, Tyler Greenwell. Yes, Tyler. That was it. Yeah, and he's a, he's not the drummer on the record. He's just a drummer on, <laughs> in life. Right. But is he, does, on yeah. this ready go, is, <clears throat> is he playing on that one? No. Nope. Okay. So he, okay. he's your drummer outside of this EP who came to you with this song? Yeah. So he is a, he's a drummer from Tedeschi trucks band who right. Tim was in the band with him. Um, and he, he does like songwriting on, on the side or in at home, I guess. Um, so he'll send me every once in a while, he sends me his ideas and he's like, Hey, try this out. And I'm like, cool. This is cool. Cause he sends really, these really super vibey, like dark songs that I love. So so that's one of them he sent, which was, um, you know, it wasn't that different, but there was definitely only one main section when he sent it. So 
so I, he sent you the main section and then you worked around just yeah. adding it up. Like, did you write the lyrics or did he send you all the lyrics? He sent his own lyrics and I changed a lot of them. So like he, he started the first verse. Um, and then I think he, his chorus is still in there. And then I, I made a verse and like changed some of the words and we just basically reconstructed it kind of together. So. All right. And so according to what I read, it says that it's about wanting someone who doesn't really want you back and being hundred percent okay with being used. Right. And that is actually his, his story. So I was just kind of like being a co-writer with him. Right. Which is my, my next question. So tell me about singing lyrics that you're not experiencing in your life. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've had those experiences right. and, and feelings, so I kind of know where to pull from, but you know, it's, it's an enjoyable melody to sing and it sits nice on my voice. So like stuff like that really helps, you know, when you're trying to bring a song forward. Have you thought of yourself as a vocalist prior to this? Like when you're writing, like learning the piano and playing stuff on jazz and stuff like that, did, did you sing back then as well as like backup or? Yes, kind of. It was sort of my like secret for a while. <laughs> yeah, because you have an amazing voice <laughs> and I'm you. like shocked. I'm shocked. Well, I mean, my parents were musicians. My mom is a singer and, and I grew up singing in choir and stuff like that when I was little. And I remember being about five years old and like sitting in my room praying to be like Madonna when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so I really wanted to be a singer. I really loved singing. And I started piano after that. And then it sort of took over. And then um, I think I was a little bit discouraged by the folks in my world to be a singer in jazz. Um, I don't know what that means, but <laughs> it just means I didn't do that. I didn't go that direction um, during that time. So, you know, it so I sort of broke back out when I was 29, 30. But I did sing like backups and stuff in people's bands. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's unbelievable to me because the one thing, I mean, I don't really feel like I'm a singer, but I could like write a song and get the melody down and stuff, but I don't want to sing my stuff. Mm -hmm. But when you have a voice like yours, I'm like, wow, like... It's just a, an incredible voice that you have and a range you have is amazing. And, um, and then to throw that emotion behind it, you know, that's another thing entirely that people can have a great voice, but they can't make you feel something when you're listening to it. It's so you have all yeah. that going for you. That's thank you. That's an interesting point. Like I, I was just going to say, it took me a while, probably until I started writing my own words to be able to understand that. You know, because kind of like growing up singing other people's songs, like, how do you even know how to feel? And especially being young and like when you're trying to sing these jazz songs or whatever, it's like, how do you put how do you put someone else's like deep emotion into your singing? Right. There, it's yeah, not, I mean, it, it's not easy. Yeah, it's not. It's almost like <laughs> acting. You know, obviously, an actor has to take these words and believe it. And you got to find something in yourself uh, that relates. Like you talked about, you've had this experience of people not really wanting you back and you dive into that memory and bring that emotion out. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. It's not easy. I was just listening to like Joe Satriani the other day and, you know, I was listening to his surfing with the alien album and his guitar has that feeling like it, it's, and I know like anybody who's really, um, and I'm sure you feel this too, when you're playing your keyboards and you're, um, 
expressing yourself through that playing. It's that emotion that is able to get into that. So it's not just about the technicality of how you can play or playing fast, but being able to make that instrument speak. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, and feel. Yeah. That's the goal really. You know, it's an amazing album. Uh, this EP that you just put out, I, I, do you, who are your influences? I know you said you have a lot, you have a very eclectic taste. When you're about to make something like this EP, do you go and listen to other stuff? Do you have ideas of maybe what you want it to sound like? Um, I think I come with so, some sort of ideas first. I don't really go and listen to stuff because I don't want to end up copying or whatever. But um, And also, I'm already pulling from, you know, a deep well of influences right. from, you know, childhood till now. And so, like, that's where that's that's how you know i get my ideas i guess mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's yeah it's a that's a tricky one <laughs> so what is something you haven't accomplished yet that you want to accomplish musically um okay so this is going to be sound weird but i i when i was in my 20s i was writing a lot of music for big band like large jazz ensemble uh-huh <laughs> So this is like the nerd side of me. So like I, I would love to have a record or two in the future of that music. Like so, big band, like Glenn Miller stuff? Well, I mean, it's the modern day music. Okay. Modern day big band, so it's nothing like that. But it's it's more composition and, you know, rhythms and sound. Now, it says so, that you've composed for television. Like, are we talking like um, for commercial or for? Oh, you know, that's that's one of the things on the bio. It's just like throw it in because you did it a few times. <laughs> but I um, I've written a couple things. Uh, Tim and I did a commercial for Infinity and <clears throat> I sang on a documentary on Netflix a couple last year, I think. And, you know, oh, just a couple cool. little other little commercial spots and stuff like that. So, you know, it's like sitting at home with our studios, like, you know, making, making computer music mostly. Nice. So what do you, do you record at home? Yep. Yeah. Uh, what do you use? Like, now. Yeah. do you use logic or do you use something I'm, else? Yeah. I'm a logic person. Okay. Tim, Tim does pro tools and the other, and his no, pro tools. Yeah. I yeah. tried that once, but that's, <laughs> I know uh, logic a, for me. Cause yeah, logic is a lot more user-friendly. Yes, it is. Where can everyone find you online? So you can find me at racheleckroth.com. And if you can't spell it, I just... I, I will actually it put it in the show you. notes. So <laughs> a lot of people uh, don't worry about spelling. Yeah, I'll make sure it's in the show notes and everybody can read you. So <laughs> your next thing is a jazz, fun, jazzy type album mm-hmm. that you're putting out? Yeah. So it's actually coming out on Rainy Days Records, which is a Russian uh, label, a Russian jazz label. So they've got a couple American artists on there and it, it's going to be really cool. I, I'm excited for this record. It's called The Garden and it has uh, Tim, me, a uh, drummer named Christian Human, the sax player, Donnie McCaslin, who is the Black Star sax player and a guitarist named Nir Felder. And then a Russian um, saxophone player named Andrew Krasilnikov. I think I'm saying that right. So, it's an awesome name. Yeah, so it's like a mix of folks, and the uh, the production is amazing. Like, it's a lot of craziness. So I'm I'm, I'm excited for it. That sounds wonderful. Madness. <laughs> now, did you know Tim when he played on Black Star? 
Yeah, that's I met him around the time that he was recording that. So were you able to meet Bowie at all? No. no. Oh, he's my favorite. <laughs> so all right. Well, this was um a lot of fun talking to you and getting to know you. And I would love to have you come back on when you release uh what is it, Gardens? It's called The Garden. The Garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. It was great talking to you. And, and All right, Rachel, thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.